I did note that, uh, one, he he notes pomegranates, which, no pomegranates! No, 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 no pomegranates! Oh, hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Brotherhood Without Manners, your favorite full spoiler reread podcast of George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series, reading A Clash of Kings. As always, I'm your host, Zach, sitting here next to me, my brother Nate. Hey, I'm Nate. That he, was me. He's a sleepy, he's a sleepy guy today. I didn't sleep good last night. It's well, weird. I don't like it. If you've joined us before, welcome back. If you haven't joined us, we are full spoiler. We talk about the whole series as a whole, so we'll ruin things for you, so go away now. That's your warning. That's all you're going to get. Okay, now that you've finished the series and joined us, welcome <laughs> back. <laughs> if you joined us for last episode, we were talking and reading Catlin 5, and Catlin was returning to River Run to find that Rob was in the West, winning shit at Oxcross and just decimating the Westerlands, similar to the way the Riverlands were getting decimated Reed. by Tywin. And Edmure had taken control of River Run, and he was planning on meeting Tywin Lannister full fledged in the field. All them Fs, alliteration. Like and yeah, it's. Kath doesn't think it's a good idea and is sending. They're thinking Roose Bolton's going to take Heron Hall, and it's He's just. He's removing the troops that Rob had placed at the Twins to keep Walder Frey in line. He's having them leave, so Walder Frey will be left to his own devices, and Kath's left to deal with the dick measuring of men and just really wants to be there for her father when he dies. Yeah, and we get a little bit of Tansy talk from him. Tansy! No actual mention no of mention Tansy. No mention of Tansy, but, but we get the start of it with. Her little wretched uh, stripling, stripling boy, yeah, and wondering who that is, as we know, full spoiler, it's Littlefinger. And so, yeah, we got some interesting discussion of that. This episode, we're going to be reading Danny 3, going across the narrow sea. Danny 3. Only the third this is for Danny. The 40th chapter of this book, and Danny's getting her third point of view. And so, last we left Danny, after making her way across the Red Sea, the, the, the not the Red Sea, the Red Waste. The Dothraki the, Sea. The Dothraki Sea, the fucking shitty desert. She spent some time in Vase Taloro and then was greeted by the, the, city three, the three people from Karth who escorted her. Two Karth. Yeah, she moved on to Karth and met Zoe and Zoe, Zaro, Zoe and Doxus, Quaith, and the other motherfucker, Priat Pri. That guy. Pri. Um, Pri. And Pri. was welcomed to, to Karth, the city of splendor, and she saw the walls that were all different carvings and all. Everything seemed to be very surface level and very odd to her. She felt like it, she described Karth as like a fever dream, and Jora was just super against them being there like whatsoever. It. So we pick up this Danny chapter as she is currently in a palaquin along with Zaro Zoan Doxus and she's pissed. She's yeah, she brooding. just finished up her day, her little meeting with the a council. The pure bloods. But Zaro the Zaro is not in the same mindset. He is just completely at ease, chilling in the palanquin. Yeah, he's pouring her some wine into a jeweled goblet as she is removing her tight silver collar, which was chafing, so she takes it off and flungs it, flung it aside, which we learn the collar was set with an amethyst that Zaro swore would ward her against all poisons, which... Melisandre, anybody? You think it's real? Do you I think mean, it does anything? That's the question. Is, is it, Amethyst is it, hold some kind of power? Is anything real in Karth? Is it is. the fucking question. If you ask Quaithe, Quaithe and Karth. I don't think it is real, but I think that's where the idea comes from, is these red priests who do it. But, yeah, so granted, she 
the the pureborn were notorious for using poisons, which is why she was wearing it. But they didn't even offer her anything, not even a cup of yeah, water. Yeah, she didn't get shit from them. They never saw her as a queen, only an afternoon's amusement, a horse girl with a curious pet. And Zaro had warned her as much that they would never listen to a Dothraki, so she had even taken great care to go before them in the t- traditional Carithene way in uh, uh, a flowing green Samite, which is silk, dress with one breast bared, Duh. silver sandals, and what? That's silk. Well, not everyone's going to know what Samite is. Oh, okay. Jeez Louise. Whoa. And a belt of black and white pearls. Yeah. And then we get a whole big description of who these, who these pureborn are. Yeah, exactly. They're Arrogant just, fucks. They're descendants of the ancient kings and queens of Karth. And they basically, at this point, just command the guard and the fleet of Karth. So they have sway over who's running the city and shit. But otherwise, they're just people who have been born into the, the role. Yeah, they had heard her pleas from their immense tiered wooden chairs, each fantastically carved, studded with onyx, amber, lapis, and jade, and each striving to be the most fabulous, yet the men in them seemed listless and world-weary. Yet, uh, so much so that they might have been asleep. So yeah, they're old men who are just bored. They're fucking... Yeah, and she spent, like, days prepping for this shit, because she went around to all, like, the traditional temples and made offerings and sacrifices she was supposed to make in order to even get an invitation to speak with these people, who then just sat there and stared at her fucking dragon. Yep. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. She says, uh, they are milkmen indeed. They never meant to help me, she thought. They came because they were bored and curious, and the dragon interested them more. And Duh. that's that's actually all they like. They they're all set. They they have all they need to that's live. That's this and, whole city. That's why yeah. Zaro is here. That's why Pyat Pri's interested in you. And Zaro asks her, "What what was it that they said that broke your heart so?" And she they said no. And he says, "Well, what about the men that you bought?" And she says, "Well, Mathis said nothing. Wendello promised." The, uh, or praised the way I spoke. The exquisite refused me with the rest, but wept afterward. And this is when we learned that Zaro had told her who to bribe and how much to offer each of these pureborns. And he just says, weep, weep for the treachery of men. And she's like, I'd rather weep for the fucking gold boss. Because that could have at least bought me something. So she asks, what if she sent Jorah back to demand the gold back that she had bribed them with? And he says, well, suppose a sorrowful man came to my palace in the night and killed you while you slept. Bitch. Yeah, he he basically says, don't, I wouldn't put it, don't tempt them. Like, go ahead and take it back, but they're going to hire somebody to come and fucking get it back from you by killing you. So. Killing you dead. So we learn a little bit who the Sorrowful Men are there as yeah. well. And they're an ancient league of assassins. Known and, for saying, I am so sorry when yeah. they kill someone. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. <laughs> And so we also learn that Karth is divided into three factions, the Ancient Guild of Spicers, the Tourmaline Brotherhood, and the Thirteen, which Zaro belonged to. All three contended endlessly with the Pureborn, and brooding over all were the Warlocks, with their blue lips and dread powers, seldom seen, but much feared. She would have been lost without Zaro, which is an actual fucking word in the text, which makes my skin crawl, that... 
She's yeah. so dependent on him in this city. She thinks she is. And, uh, yeah, as rumors of living dragons had spread and people came to see her, Zaro saw to it that each one offered a token to the mother of dragons. He, I now, mean, five dollars. Doesn't she basically do that in Marine, but they just do it by choice? Uh, they, they yeah, I to. don't think he exacted his tax. I yeah. think people are just doing it anyway. But, yeah, she gets a ton of shit. But the only thing she kept was a crown from the Tourmaline Brotherhood, which was wrought in the shape of a three-headed dragon, which is pretty cool. It's pretty sweet. It's a sweet crown. And Zara wanted to sell that also, but she was like, nah, my brother sold his crown, their mother's crown. She refused to because he was known as the Beggar King. Mm-hmm. She will be looked at as a queen. Granted... She still is a beggar. And the weight of it made her neck ache, which I like. The crown, how heavy, how heavy the crown is. And yet, yeah, she was a beggar still. The most fabulous beggar. And she hated it. She thinks she finally understands her brother a little bit, though. She hated it as her brother must have. Always running, pleading for help. No wonder he was so bitter and angry. And so she's kind of understanding a little bit as to why Viserys was a cunt. But... She thinks it will do the same to me. It'll turn me angry and bitter if I let it. Yeah. And so she thinks of returning to Vase to, Thor- to Laurel, the city of bones, to make so, the city blossom as she did before they I left. I think that that line is interesting, though, that everything, all this, you know, doing what she's doing drove her brother mad, and it'll let it'll do the same to her if she lets it. Yeah. She might not. Maybe she's blind to that, and that's exactly what's going to happen anyway. I mean, that's something. That's a... She needs to hold on to that going forward, and it's a question of whether or not she does. Yeah. Does she get lost in her pursuit of the Iron Throne, or is she able to maintain her vision of freeing slaves and everybody having choice in their lives? I don't think so. I don't either. But she also then thinks that she has dragons, which Viserys never did, and the dragons make all the difference. And so we get that Joko. Ago and Ricaro are riding with her in this palaquit while well, around her in this yeah, palaquit. Yeah, kind of guarding her, whereas Jorah was left behind guarding the other two dragons that she did not take with her today. Yeah. He'd been opposed to the whole meeting with the Pureborn from the start, which isn't surprising because he's distrusted everyone in this city, which she's starting to think is actually fucking wise. And Zara was like, well, we should just go. We can get on my pleasure barge, set out, and we'll find some of the, the most finest wine in the world across the Jade Sea. Which supposedly ruins all other wine for you. And she's like, nah, the Arbor makes the best wine. Come with me and uh, you'll taste it. And she then remembers that it, the Lord Redwine fought for her father and wonders if he would still fight for her. So it's... Well, she thinks that he fought for her father till the very end. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. He stayed loyal to, for a while. Yeah, but so. I don't know, man. She's... What like Woody is the question? Like I don't think she. I think Fagon would be a better. I think it depends on what she's offering him. Because red wine isn't gonna just going to be like, them. oh yeah, your father. Yeah, yeah. She he's going to think about it. Like what can she give me? But she is right that the dragons make all the difference. Like showing yeah. up with three dragons is kind of a fucking sight to behold. So. Christ, it's a good question, but yeah, so she tells him, come to me with the Arbor, Zaro, and you'll have the finest vintages you've ever tasted, only we'll need to go on a warship, not a pleasure barge, and he says, I have no warships, I've told you, Zaro Zoandoxus is a man of peace. Yeah, she, uh, she also notices while he's sitting here proposing marriage to her, that he, unlike most other men that she's seen, has no actual interest in her body whatsoever. 
So all of his little things that he wants and his marriage and all that is purely for the power thrust. Yeah, like she had noticed Jorah straight gawking yeah. with her bare breasts, her bared breasts, the one that, yeah, Jorah just couldn't fucking look away. God. The, the Jorah but, and Littlefinger fucking creeper club. But Zaro just didn't give a shit, and she also notes that she's noticed all the beautiful boys that flit about the palace in silks. Yeah, yeah. So guess she's thinking Zaro plays for the other team there, and... She says that uh, all she hears in his flowery bullshit language is a no, that he's telling her no, he's not getting her to Westeros, and he tells her, let this be your kingdom, and me your king, I'll give you a throne of gold, we'll travel to Yiti, sip the wine of wisdom from a dead man's skull, and she says, I mean to, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> I mean to sail to Westeros and drink the wine of vengeance from the skull of the usurper, which, at this point, she knows that Robert's dead, so, like, girl yeah what you talking about that's weird what you talking about it's gonna be all gross and decayed and but new. it says a single perfect tear ran down the nose of zaro's owen well, yeah, so we we forgot to mention earlier on that he he mentions it's common and often that the carthians cry they just they fl- freely let those tears come falling down and that's why he asked her to cr- if she cried for the pureborn, yeah, pure yeah. the one that they paid off, the exquisite, went and wept afterwards. It's what they're known to do. So I think that it's just this big mummer show that they're all well-versed in. This is where I put my note of who the fuck is this guy. Because, <laughs> like, Jesus oh, Christ, he lays a- it on so thick, man. Yeah. He asks her why his sailors should give a shit who sits the throne of some kingdom at the edge of the world and she says she'll pay them to care with the gift that she's been given with the gift she's been given from all the people visiting or she'll ask the tourmaline brotherhood or he'd Payat pre and go to the warlocks and that gets him because he kind of is scoffing off at the the tourmaline brotherhood and the guild of spicers but then when she mentions going to Payat pre he's like no no they got nothing for you don't do it don't do it. I mean, I don't blame them. Fuck, fuck the warlocks. Yeah, they're creepy. He says, uh, Payette Pri has blue lips. It is said truly that those with blue lips speak only lies. Heed the wisdom of one who loves you. Warlocks are bitter creatures who eat dust and drink shadows. They will give you naught, for they have naught to give. And she's like, well, I would need to go to the warlocks if Zaro would just fucking give me what <laughs> I want. And he's literally like, bitch. What more do you want? You got my house. You got my servants. I've given you gold. I've given you perfumes. I've given you dresses. I've yeah. given you this. And she basically almost even cuts him off saying like, yeah, and I, I appreciate that. I didn't ask for any of that. This is what I asked for. Have you given me any of that? No? Shut the fuck up. I did note that, uh, one, he he notes pomegranates, which, no pomegranates! No, 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 no pomegranates! Also, he, uh, he notes that he's given her scrolls from Lost Valeria. Yeah. Which, uh, hmm, that's an interesting little tidbit there. I wonder what's on those scrolls. But as their progression slows to a halt, and Jehogo tells her that there is a crowd blocking their procession, we are going to go ahead and halt... Khaleesi! Small council meeting. It is known. Small council time. Yeah, that's where we're at. 
This is where we give out the so the socials. 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 I'm stuttering there, apparently. So, if you have listened to us before, you know that we give inductees for each chapter. chapter. Wow. God, maybe we should, should we? I'm about to just start over. This is nonsense. <laughs> this is wild. If Fuck you it, we'll do it live. We're doing it live. We give out the inductee to the Brotherhood at the end of each chapter. If you would like to join us, we read those out from listeners, and you can send those in to us in a variety of ways. Starting with our email. There we go. I got it. W. No, that's our fucking website. I'm fucking done. I quit. You can hit us up on. Uh, I don't know the email, so you can hit us up on Twitter. We're on, I'm on Twitter at carstark92. Nate is on Twitter at manners without. That is also the Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah, the email is without manners brotherhood at gmail.com. And that's all I'm putting in for the rest of this fucking social, this small console. All right. uh, we also have a Patreon. You can find that somewhere. Patreon.com slash without manners. We have a website, uh, www.brotherhoodwithout.com. We have a Facebook, facebook.com slash brotherhood podcast. Please leave us a rate and review. We can have those spread anywhere. Currently, Podchaser donates 25 cents to. It's Meals on Wheels, yeah, and that's also being matched by Libsyn, the company that hosts our podcast. And so, leave us reviews over in Podchasers. Just search Brotherhood Without Manners, and thanks. All right. So, I think that's it. Let's I think put we're this dead put horse it, out yeah, of its misery. Blam. Done. So, you know how we sometimes record small councils weeks in the past? Hopefully one isn't garbage that comes up this week and lines up with the one that, you know, we're doing right now. Anyway, where are... Uh, so, there, Ago, Ago goes, hey, uh, Khaleesi, fire mage, throwing fire in the sky. She's like, no shit, let me see. He's, He's like, like, you must. Yeah, must. Yeah, duh, yeah, it's fucking dope. Yeah, so he pulls her up onto his horse in front of him and, so she can see over, and she sees a fire mage who had conjured a ladder of swirling flame in the air, which stood unsupported, just going up into the fucking air. And Joko also points out the cut purses yeah. that are in the crowd. And she's like, I'm no lady. Like, I didn't need you to point them yeah, out. Yeah, she did run around with the beggar king, and so she's seen plenty of acts and how they're supposed to distract the crowd while the actual Pete, the little thieves, the little fucking Oliver Twists are running around cutting the purses off of their belts. So yeah, the fire mage draws everyone's attention up, drawing the ladder up, and as everyone looks, the little cut purses go to work, but... And when the ladder stood 40 foot high, the mage began to climb, and each rung disappeared after, or dissolved after he touched it, just leaving a small wisp of smoke. And when he reached the top of the ladder, he, uh, the ladder was gone, and so was he. Nice trick. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. It's no trick. So, boom, fucking Quaith appears. Yeah, Danny had not noticed Quaith in the crowd, but there she stood. And I actually am going to just... Uh... He's got a quote, and so he's looking for the page. He found it. Yeah. And Danny's like, yo, what do you mean it's no trick? And Quaith says, Half a year gone, that man could scarcely wake fire from dragon glass. He had some small skill with powders and wildfire, sufficient to entrance a crowd while his cut purses did their work. He could walk across hot coals and make burning roses bloom in the air. But he could no more aspire to climb the fiery ladder than a common fisherman could hope to catch a kraken in his nets. Danny looked uneasily at where the ladder had stood. Even the smoke was gone now, and the crowd was breaking up, each man going about his business. In a moment, more than a few would find their purses flat and empty. And now? And now his powers grow, Khaleesi. 
and you are the cause of it. Dun, dun, dun. So, right, I mean, right there, Quaith is saying you're returning magic to the world. Yeah. And she goes on, Danny's like, why me? Yeah, and she's so, like, you are the mother of dragons. Yeah, yeah, before we go too far there, let's uh, talk about some of the things she mentioned. She says that he would no more, he was no more capable of lighting the the dragon glass flame, raising the flame in yep. the dragon glass. Uh, is she, does that mean she has knowledge of the Citadel and, and what they attempt to do I mean, over there? She, uh, I mean, she at least has knowledge of, like, I think the glass candle bullshit that they can be used in that way. So whether it's through the Citadel training or just her own Ashai magic, who knows. But Now, we also know that some of this is doubly confirmed by the Melisandre chapter we get um, with the powders being used and all of a sudden this resurgence of magic, though. And so it's neat to see that she's even like, no, before all he used were just little powders and bullshit. Yeah. Who the fuck knows how's he, how he's doing this now? Yeah, I thought it was interesting that she calls it that he would could only aspire to climb the fiery ladder like it's a... Like, chaos is a ladder. Like, he's a, he's climbing this... I don't know, the proverbial fiery ladder. Yeah, like, yeah. it just sounds... Ominous? Not ominous, but, like, there. this is something that's spoken of. The fiery ladder is what us, like, fire so mages I hope think, to ascend. I think it's interesting that she's one of the first people to be attributing the return of magic to Danny, as opposed to everyone else who's re- would more attribute it to the comet. Yeah. And she's not mentioned the comet at all. She doesn't give a fuck about that stupid stone in the sky. It's what's happening here. Yeah, Danny asks how that could be. The woman stepped closer and lay two fingers on Danny's wrist. You are the mother of dragons, are you not? Is she taking her pulse here? Like I so and I know it's it's not something I should be thinking, but I was just thinking in the show how uh, the Night King marks Bran. Yeah. And just this this touch. Especially because afterwards she mentions, you know, she could still feel it. It tingles. And it tingles. Like, was she marking her somehow? Was she showing her that she has some kind of that power that she just spoke about before? Or is she just seeing if she's a fucking... Corpse? Yeah, I don't know. I think there's something to it. She either marked her, as you said, or, or whatever. But Jogo brushed Quaith's fingers ba- away as Quaith uh, tells her that yeah. you must leave this city soon, Daenerys Targaryen, or you will never be permitted to leave it at all. And Danny's wrist still tingled where Quaith had touched her. And she says, where would you have me go? And this is where we get the famous Yeah, to go north, you must go south. To go east, you must go west. Uh, To touch the light, you must pass under the shadow. Yeah. And she just immediately jumps on a shy and asks, well, what what is there in a shy that I can't find here in Karth? Truth. Truth. And then she kind of pushes herself away from Danny and vanishes after a bow into the crowd. Yeah. Now, Ricaro ain't having none of her hoodoo magic fucking wooden mask bullshit. So they're like, she's, no, a shy's no good. They're you, the we spawn don't, no, of shadows. Don't anything. listen to them fucks. She shouldn't have touched you. Fuck that shit. And Zaro, who apparently has Superman hearing, fucking witnessed the entire thing occurring, and is like, your savage has got a point. She's she's no good. Don't Anything you learn in a shy is basically the monkey's paw. It's coming laced with some bad news. There's not something 
You don't just go in there and they're like, yeah, magic is back because you're a beautiful blonde who's going to live happily ever after in Westeros So, I mean, if it's, if it's not a shy, where do you think it is? Where is oh, it no, is? I think it's a shy. You do? I, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I think. Well, you said Danny immediately jumped on a shy. I right? just think it's interesting that she did this. So, like, I mean, it's I the same thing that we all do. I don't think... Because maybe it's... Uh, old Volantis there. It could be, you know, you have to pass I don't know. I the just, shadows. I of... don't think we're, and I feel like George has confirmed it, no? I, I don't think we're getting chapters in no. Shy. No, doesn't mean she won't have I mean, yeah, like, I think, if anything, it's gonna be, like, glass candle looking But yeah, through. but no, I don't think, uh, I, I, I would like to think it's something other than a Shy, but I really like that it's a shy, but I just think it's interesting. I mean, I too. want chapters in a shy. Oh, I want to go to a shy, absolutely. But uh, he pressed another cup of wine on her and just spoke of love and lust all the way back to his man. So he's just zaroing it up. And in her chambers, Danny dons a loose robe of purple silk and feeds her dragon's charred, chopped up snake, which uh, yeah. you and I discussed it a little bit. But uh, I drew the connection to a certain prophecy. That's given at High Heart by the Ghost of High Heart, which I'll pull it up because I yeah, and I mean, it. and so to discuss it real fast, just to so that everyone understands, we understand it typically is known to be Sansa. I mean, yeah, it's pretty much all but confirmed that this prophecy is about Sansa, but it's just neat to be the able imagery to tie it elsewhere. here. Yeah, seemed very uh, and so this is from the Ghost at High Heart to Beric Dondarrion, Lem, and Thoros of Mir with Arya overhearing. I dreamt of a maid at a feast with purple serpents in her hair venom dripping from their fangs and later i dreamt that maid again slaying a savage giant in a castle built of snow and so just with the purple silk robe yeah, yeah and the snakes, and the snakes that she like specifically a is feast and it's neat interesting and danny is young enough to be seen maybe misinterpreted as a maid if you'd look at her the first time you would assume that she's young and probably and it's maid. also just good writing on george's part to offer up multiple options so that those prophecies are that much foggier yeah, to interpret exactly but again we understand that it's mainly about the purple wedding and, yeah yeah but danny realizes how quicker dragons are growing they're already twice the size they were in vase to loro but it still would be years before they're big enough to go to war yeah yeah she can't even five year gap well that's no uh and they must be trained so that they don't burn down her kingdom. So, yeah, so, so, so what she's saying, and, and then she goes on to say, like, but for all the dragon blood in her, she has no fucking clue how to begin doing yeah. that. So, but what? if they are trained well, then that means if they lay waste to the kingdom, it's not just randomly because these dragons. Right. It means who. What she's saying here is that she has no idea how to train her dragon. <sighs> You are 100% correct. She does not know how to train her dragon. So Jorah came to her as the sunset, and she bids her bids him come in, join her, and give counsel. And he tells her that you'll get no help in this fucking city. Training like, your dragon either. Or training your dragon. Fuck. And me. they speak of Zaro, and Jorah says that he sees only dragons, as he had failed to mention that the Karia, Kar, Karthine? Karthine. Karthine have a tradition... Of when a couple marries, that they each get to keep all their shit. That's true, but one uh, each one gets to pick one gift of the other one's worldly possessions, and it cannot be denied. And he goes on to say that one dragon, Zaro, with one dragon, Zaro would rule this city, but one ship isn't going to do fuck all for yeah. our cause. And 
that's the i mean jora's right that's, that's the gist of it that's, that's it. what zara wants it's, well again because we mentioned and she's already picked up on the fact that he did he doesn't have any kind of physical desire for her whatsoever regardless of how beautiful he thinks she is or says she is he doesn't give a fuck about that he wants to marry her so that he can take claim to one of the dragons because that's all he fucking yeah, needs just that's one. all anybody would need yeah. other than her Danny reflects on the faithlessness of men, it says, and then tells Jorah of her meeting with Quaith. And Jorah's like, yeah, I'd be glad to be done with this city, but not to a shy. We should be heading east. And Danny's like, if we go any fucking further, I'm never going to make it back to Westeros. Like, the fuck? Yeah, but- and he's like, well, where would you go? The free cities? Like, Illyrio Mopatas? Like, who the fuck even is that guy? Like, come on now. And Jorah again nails it, saying that Illyria would sell her if the gold was sufficient. He she, did. Because she, she, she tries to argue. She's like, no, no, I lived there for like six months. He's like, no, he would if he had the opportunity. He did. To Drogo, yeah. remember? And she's like, oh, right. And Jor- Jorah then says, Illyrio believes in no cause but Illyrio. I mean, he might believe in the Blackfire cause. He mm-hmm. might believe in something. <laughs> yeah, and she mentions the eggs, and again, he's like, yeah, but Illyrio would not have given those to you he had he known. He on him himself. Which then she realizes how hilarious that is, and that kind of breaks their little argument. Yeah. And uh, and then Jorah just says, even if Illyrio is the friend you believe he is, he alone will not put you on the throne. And... Danny says, well, that's why I have Richard. She believes that Zaro is actually richer than Illyrio. Yeah. And that's like... Not the case whatsoever. No, no, no. That's completely bullshit. But it's funny as hell that she thinks she believes Zaro actually is more wealthy. And he tells her, nothing knits a broken realm quite like an invading army on its soil. You, like, you going to Westeros... This just soon? on cell swords is not going to work. You yeah. need to build up some fucking alliances, work with some people. You're a stranger meaning to land with an army who cannot speak the common tongue. The lords of Westeros do not know you and have no reason to love you, but all reason to fear you. You must win at least a few before you sail. And she's like, how the fuck am I supposed to do that if you're having us go east? And he's like, I don't know. I'm just kind of winging it here, yo. I'm but just going for it. the longer you're in one place, the more danger you're in. They sent men to kill you when they learned of your child. What do you think they will do when they learn of your dragons? And she's like, oh, yeah, fuck. Well, that can't happen. Yeah, so she kind of realizes she needs to try the last avenue since nothing else is getting her any effort. And She thinks to the comet, though. The comet led yeah. me here for a reason, but clearly it's not fucking ships or soldiers. What else is there? So, Visions? Visions, I guess. So, yeah, she tells Jorah that on the morrow, you must go to Payet Pri. Payet Pri? 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 Toka Pri? (laughs) Yeah, so Jorah's going to be visiting the Warlocks, which is going to lead to some House in the Undying, which is going to lead to some crazy trippy visions. Lots of trippy new visions. And the, uh, I believe her next chapter is actually the kidnapping of her dragons. I think so. And so... Yeah, uh, lots of Danny doing. This one's pretty straightforward. It's a lot of Zaro fucking postulating himself yeah, yeah. And, and just wanting her. But it's kind of flaunting that, that bullshit. And so it's... Everything about this city is it's, bullshit. It's neat. You know, again, as a rereader, it's fun to see how fucking thick he's laying everything Ugh. on. Just so much so. And it's just for her in the hopes that she'll be dumb enough to, to fall for it. Mm. And she's close. She's... He's got her bait, bait, line, and sinker. Like, it's about to, 
be bad for her. I mean, she believes everything else he's saying. Nothing about the marriage, but the fact no, that he's rich, rich, the illusion of... It. But, uh, you got an inductee for this chapter? Yeah, I'm gonna give it to, uh, Ago, unless it was Joko. Whichever one actually stopped them at the Fire Mages. I think Joko. So, you so Joko, because he's like... They, they weren't gonna stop him. He's like, yo, that's a fucking fire... I wanna see a fire mage. Hey, hey, Khaleesi! Khaleesi, you ever seen... You ever seen this? No, you should check it out. Yeah, I mean, no, then you I must. Lo- yeah, you ha- I yeah, love that must. scene where she's like, "Yo, I want to see," and he's like, "Then you must." Uh, you must get out here, and he like drags. I mean, yeah. he does, and he gently helps her, but just the fact that he was probably the one that stopped it, just because he wanted to check that shit yeah, out, like a fucking limousine ride. Yeah. Down the oh, what's yeah. this? I'm going back. Yeah. So yeah, I dig it. Mine's uh, gonna be Illyrio because of his mention in here and the dragon eggs, and I think Jora really so- short sells him in this one. I don't think he's as big a friend to Danny as Danny would hope, but the dragon eggs, I feel like you know he may be a little more wizened, wizened, wizened to that, or uh, or not. But the fact that she believes Zaro is richer, it's just an interesting little dynamic here. But Illyrio for that mention. So. Illyrio, word. I like Illyrio. I just wanted to leave an awkward silence there for no Sweet. reason. So we also got an unductee from... Unductee? An inductee, not an unductee. He, you know him as our favorite French fry, Julian. And Julian has this to say. Hi there, hope you guys are okay. We're well. So, Karth has nothing to do with what the TV show made of it, and it is quite interesting. Truth. Also, I liked the prophetic intervention of Quaith and the to move forward, you must go back line. For my imbu- inductee, my imbucky, what the fuck is happening today, man? For my inductee today, it is going to be Rhaegal. Not giving any reasons why. You could perhaps come up with your own reasons why baby Rhaegal would be a nice addition to the Brotherhood. Have a nice day, Valor de Harris. Because we like fucking dragons, that's why. Yeah, he also sniffed at that shitty uh, wine. Yeah. And he sniffed that out. I was like, yo, just drink some fucking horse piss instead. Yeah, the paranoid me. dude in me is like, yo, is he, is he, he sniffing doing? out some poison? What's he doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as always, Julian, thank Thanks. you for your inductee. And uh, so join us, get us your inductees for next episode. We're going to be doing Tyrion 9. 9 next episode. Nine. Followed by Davos 2. Followed Three, by Davos two. 2, I think. Number yes. Two. And so get us your inductees for those. Tyrion is going to be in the middle of a little riotous situation. Yeah, and we're flying right through Clash of Kings. I think this is putting us right about, or if not just past halfway through it. And so we're moving right along. Indubitably. But, uh, yeah, until Tyrion 9, we'll catch you on the next one. Follow to Harris. Peace.